You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I have here with me today, Jeremy. Yes, I'm going to be the super host this time, so not just the host, I'm going to be above that. Mega host, uber host. Uber host, I like that. The king of hosts. Excellent. All right. We've got the the main two podcasters here, you and me, Jeremy, is that yeah, right? the most the, important the ones. The dynamic duo. That's right, that's right. Yeah, Old exactly, school, exactly. original ones, perhaps. I can't remember that long ago. Yeah, I can't imagine any of the other people who are normally on this podcast being very good at the game anyway, so... No, no, no. It's really just you and me. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm very <laughs> excited about this episode, Matt. We're going back to, to one of our, our roots of podcasting where we get to cover all the things about an army list that is very popular at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's one that I've seen a lot at tournaments uh, lately. Like Almost every tournament, I think, I've seen these guys pop up, um, particularly the Legendary Legion that features mm, them. I like it how we're being really coy, but the listeners have already looked at the title of the episode as well, so they already know what it's about. They've seen the title. Yeah, they know. They know what's going on. We're talking about the Dead of Dunharrow. Yeah, so this episode will be all about the Dead of Dunharrow. We're going back to our old school formats with Know Thine Enemies, Keep It Secrets, Scenario Spotlights, Mustering an Army. And if you like the show, remember now we have a Patreon, which is very excited because you can pay money for the stuff that you can get for free. Hooray! Who doesn't love throwing money at people on the internet? Oh, I know I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're getting good at this shilling <laughs> stuff. This is really good. We've really sold out. Absolutely. It's, uh, I feel good about it. Yeah, true, true, true. Okay, should we start, Matt? Let's get into it. Let's get right into it. Uh, we are going to start with... Know Thine Enemy. The Dead of Dunharrow. Centuries ago, before the fall of Sauron... The White Mountains to the north of Gondor were home to a kingdom of men. As the power of the Dark Lord grew, Isildur came to the men of the mountains to gain their allegiance in the fights ahead, and upon the Stone of Eric received their pledge to fight against the forces of Sauron. However, when the time came to take up arms, those who dwelt in the mountains broke their sworn oath. For their betrayal, Isildur cursed the men of the mountains to never rest until they fulfilled their oath to the King of Gondor. Over the coming years, the bodies of the men of the mountains perished, yet their spirits did not. Instead of the spirits of these traitors lingered on for centuries, their physical form having long since turned to dust, until naught remained but the ghostly form stripped of flesh and metal. Rumours of dead men that roamed the mountains began to spread, until those from the lands of Gondor and Rohan feared to walk the paths of the mountains. Yet, as the close of the Third Age approached, so too did the dead of Dunharrow's chance of redemption. Aragorn, the heir of Isildur, entered the paths of the dead with the aim of raising an army to fight alongside him in the battles to come. However, upon hearing Aragorn's demands, the King of the Dead is said to have given a sinister laugh, claiming that only the King of Gondor could command him and that the line of kings had been broken centuries ago, a fact that was to be proven false as Aragorn raised Anduril before the King of the Dead, showing him his true lineage. Now, as the Battle of Palinor Fields rages on, Aragorn sails up the river Anduin with perhaps the deadliest army in all of Middle-earth in tow. For the Shadow Host cares not for the armour and weapons of their foes, though their blades have long since lost their edge, they pass through all physical protection and cut deep into the resolve of their enemies. The army of the dead have but one purpose upon the Palinor, to fulfil the oath they made to the King of Gondor over 3,000 years before, and to finally be at peace. 
Let's get right into the army composition for the Dead of Dunharrow. So we start off with the King of the Dead himself, the leader of this army. Uh, you can actually have a Herald of the Dead mm -hmm. as a leader, I believe, who are in the Gondor at War. It's possible. Yes. You can do that if you want. Inadvisable. <laughs> King of the Dead is a good leader. Mm -hmm. And your other options are Warriors of the Dead and Riders of the Dead, along with the aforementioned Heralds. Yes, yes. So, Jeremy, where can where can you find those Heralds? Where are they? Okay, the best way to find the Heralds is the rules are in the Gondor at War book. So, for this army, you need the armies of Lord of the Rings. You need the Gondor at War book. That's enough for you at the moment. And the Heralds now come in a, a plastic set with a, a King of the Dead now, which looks very nice. I haven't got it, but I really want to get that one. It looks very pretty. I think I did buy that. I can't recall. I'm pretty sure I did, because I got the dice. So I'm like, why wouldn't I have got Ooh. the... Uh, it's a very nice looking kit. I don't think... If I do have it, it's around somewhere and I haven't opened it up yet. But it looked really cool and I just immediately bought it. Mm, yeah, it does look nice. But I've got my own converted one, so I, it wasn't the top of the priority list for me. Eventually, I think I will once once I get most of the stuff I've got done already. Yep, fair enough too. I, I really thought though, um, particularly the new King of the Dead model... I, and it wasn't anything that people were screaming for, but the old one was very static... And the new one has a lot of movement to it and is very cool. Oh, yes. I um, really appreciate that they made a new uh, model for that character. Yeah. And more importantly, that's actually every single model from the Gondor at War book released, which is very unusual. Normally, they don't do that. They leave one or two out so that other companies can go and make it for them. Yeah, true. They really got on the front foot with this one. So I, I suspect it's just one of those things where they created all these characters and they'd already done all the designs in that, and they're just like, well, let's just release one book that has them all in there. Because it's a bit of a hodgepodge, and, and the title of the book, Gondor at War, doesn't really reflect uh, what they ended up releasing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like the resin ones have a pretty quick turnaround as far as I'm aware, but the plastics have to be planned a long time ahead, so... I'm not sure about mm. like which ones were made later. I suspect the ones that don't have pictures are often the ones that are made a bit later on in the process, but I'm not entirely mm. sure. Did Gondor at War, because I remember it was, uh, was it shown at Articon? When was Gondor at War released? Oh, I don't remember that. It was, um, was it start of, yeah. start of 2018? Somewhere along that line. Yeah, that's what I thought, maybe end of 2017. So I think it was featured alongside the new book or something oh, God, no, no, no 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 it's I, i'm totally out. 2019 it I says on the copyright so it will be earlier this year okay yeah yeah there you go okay so yeah i i do remember seeing the new king of the dead model at articon for the first time i think so it, it didn't take them too long to release everything did it this time around no they're good they're like, going within quick. the year is pretty good oh very good very good very impressive yeah mm. so the army of the dead, the Dun, Dun, army of Dunharrow, dead of Dunharrow list has some additional rules and some army bonuses. The additional rules are that your army list is automatically impossible allies with any force that doesn't also include Aragorn. So it makes your allying quite limited if you don't want to cop any penalties. Yep, for sure, and it makes sense. It's fair enough within the context of the uh, the world. Mm, yeah, it, like they're not going to fight for anyone else. Mm. Yes. And their army bonus is really good. The dead do not suffer the living to pass. The king of the dead gains a harbinger of evil special rule. Additionally, warbands from the list that contain eight or more models do not need a hero to be the captain of their warband. Instead, one warrior takes the place of the captain for deployment. So you can get 
a reasonably sized dead army if you wish to, if you forego the heralds, if you just go for the king of the dead and a bunch of infantry or cavalry led by by a single model, just a warrior with eight models strong, you can get a few more, which does make them a lot more playable than they used to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, because a lot of the time when you do ally with them, you've got to take quite expensive heroes. It it definitely helps a lot to make sure you can get as much as possible out of the list. Like, yeah, I I still don't know. I, I don't know if it's totally necessary as far as uh, the rules go. It was before the heralds were released. Agreed. Yes, it feels like a so, pre-herald rule. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's go straight into, Matt, the King of the Dead. The King himself. Now, in the last edition, I think we discussed... Uh, we, we had a episode where we discussed some of our most disappointing models or models that we'd really like to see change. I think the King of the Dead was mentioned uh, because at the time he felt very uh, expensive for what he could do uh, unless he's fighting against a Moomark. Yes. Yes. Which... He remains very good fighting against Moomax. In fact, better than before. Oh, insane. But, uh, yeah, um, we'll get to that. The King had a massive turnaround in this new edition, got a lot of interesting buffs, and you know what, let's get into it. First things first, straight away you look at his profile, and he is Fight 5. Yes. Fight 5 over 4, which doesn't seem like a lot, but actually there are so many armies in the game that have a fight for base or that spam fight for troops that fight five makes a huge difference. It's, it's absolutely massive and it can't be understated. He's a hero of valor. So he can lead up to 15 troops, which is a sort of indirect buff and very cool for him that he can lead more warriors of dead on mm -hmm. his own. He's got armor and sword, which he always had in the rest of his profile. It has remained the same, except one extra attack, up to two from one. Again, massive for him in terms of combat potential. And he also gained a might point, which is, again, just something we were clamoring for before and, and just raises his potential so much. His heroic action options are heroic march and heroic strike, which being another character that has retained heroic strike, again, huge. So many great things happened for the King of the Dead here. Yeah, and those are the only ones you really need. I can't imagine any other heroic action that I would call, even if I had the option for it. So I'm more than happy to just have those two options. Yeah, those are the ones that I always go, yes, I need some of that in my army, and everything else you could take it or leave it, pretty much. On to the special rules. He still has Blades of the Dead and Terror, like the rest of the list. His Drain Soul, which is a rule that he had previously, any model that suffers a wound from the King of the Dead is automatically slain, regardless of how many wounds it has mm. uh, it has remaining. Hero models may prevent it with fate, but if even a single wound is not prevented, they are slain. So, multi-wound models, not a problem. High defense models, not a problem because of Blades of the Dead. There's a lot of stuff that the King of the Dead can just walk up to and take out. Oh, absolutely. Like, you think about it, in the game, the highest courage you can really get is, is say, a 7, which means the absolutely worst-case scenario, the King of the Dead's doing a 6s to wound, so you're never getting that 6s by 4s, but most of the time it's going to be 5s or even 4s to wound because you've got the Harbinger of Evil most of the time, and you've got Strength 4, so there's a lot of things that he has no problem wounding on, like a 4+. Plus. And then if you fail your Fate Test, you take the model straight off, which can be heartbreaking. Yeah, and I can even think of a few things that he's wounding on threes, and if just one goes through, they're gone. Uh, Mordor Troll being an example. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cape Trolls, Mordor Trolls, those sort of things. Like He just takes yep. them out really easily. Yep, no problems at all. 
Uh, and with the heroic strike, of course, you can get up to that fight value and just, it's too easy, almost. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, yes. Um, yeah, uh, this might be a good moment, actually, for you to mention the Moomak. <laughs> well, I will mention the Moomak a lot a lot more later, but basically, he is almost designed to take down a Moomak in, in one turn. So, if he wins a fight, which is very likely, because he's fight five, Moomak's got a massive base, so he's going to have some friends in there. If he gets that, he's basically wounding it on, I think it's a four plus, and then it's dead, and he's got the point of might, so the chance of the Mumak surviving are pretty low. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's just like a, a, an almost complete counter. A hundred percent, He yeah. can stand in front of it, take the hit, turn around, knock it out in one, yeah. Uh, he's one of the, no the models that you all. can confidently call a heroic combat off a Mumak and keep going. Yeah. Probably the only one, I would say. I, I can't think of anything else that could easily do that. Not easily. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Two more special rules. He has the dead and the living. Only warriors and riders of the dead may use the king of the dead stand fast or benefit from his heroic actions. Because of the common allies in this list, that's not really much of a concern for you, I would say. Unless, of course, you know, for some reason you're not using his might to call heroic strikes. But, uh, yeah, generally, it, I don't think that becomes much of an issue. I haven't seen it being much of an issue. It's really not. I'm sure Kylie would find a way of uh, using that to her advantage, in fact. I, I remember her doing that with the Wild Wag Chieftain and Wags in the past. Yeah, there are, there are um, ways. Being able to move, yeah, just moving certain models and not others within a heroic move, that sort of yep. thing. But, uh, yep. And then finally, um, a, a really interesting rule that they added, which I think was just designed to be thematic, but is potentially game-breaking at times. Uh, a model with this special rule may move over water features as if they were open ground. <laughs> this is the best rule ever. I love this one. Because we play over a lot of water. It's such a weird one. <laughs> yeah, and we play deep water as well sometimes. Yeah, we do. Actually, you know what? It, it's probably they just were like, uh, people are only ever going to come across this in a scenario. Uh, whereas we do play a lot of points matches with water features, so yeah. Uh, yeah we'll talk about and keep it secret, it, keep it safe, but it's a fun rule. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's an odd yeah. one. <laughs> so Matt, just before you go um, off the profile, so, I want to go through the um, the yeah. Blades of the Dead rule because we skimmed over that, and that is the bread and butter sure. of this army. We did, yeah. So the Blades of the Dead rule means mm -hmm. that instead of striking against defense, which you normally do, which is normally pretty high, you use your strength against their courage, which is usually one of the lowest stats that anyone has. It's usually pretty low. Plus, you've got the Harbinger of Evil, so that lowers them down by one. You, the downside is you can't use special strikes, so you can't faint or you can't pierce, but it is so effective. It means that, that this whole army rarely wounds anything on a six. It usually wounds it on a three, four, or five. So doing wounds if you win a combat is not really a problem for them. Yeah, even winning on fives is unusual for them. It's usually four or less, so... Yeah, it's, uh, they're uh, actually a very high-strength army, despite being strength 3. Yes, agreed. Yeah, it's really things like Urukai Berserkers that cause them problems, but anything else they're not too worried yeah, about. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, yeah. I can't think of anything else that's that high a courage. Like, what, what are the Gundabad Berserkers? What are they like? Oh, I think they're 5, so they go down to a 4 with the Harbinger. So they're okay, on, they're on 5s, but still, yeah. still okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's funny having elves being the high defense army. It's like they they're actually worse against um, wood elves than most other lists. Yes, which is pretty funny. Yeah, sometimes yeah, the that's low the defense. one downside to it. Yeah, true, true. But I yeah, I guess that is that is a good counter for them as well. So let's move on to the herald. This is our other hero now. We have two heroes, and this is the one that you're going to take multiples of if you choose to take multiples of a hero. 
So for 70 points, the, the King of the Dead was 100. For 70 points, you get a Herald of the Dead. Right? Once again, Spirit, Infantry, Hero, Fortitude this time, so up to 12 models. You've got your Fight 4, which is pretty useful. You've got your two attacks, which is also good. The Strength of 4 is also handy. So you've got your, your good attacking model here. A couple wounds, Courage of 6, which is very useful. Your, your Heroic stats are very interesting. It's 0, 3, 2. So no points of Might, 3 points of Will, 2 points of Fate. 2 points of Fate is very handy. 3 points of Will we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, they've got the Armor Sword and the Pennant of the Dead. Now this has caused a lot of confusion when they first come out because the Pennant is like a flag, essentially. So people confusing the Banner Bearer with the, the Heralds. They are two different models. Uh, it didn't help that I think one of the articles that was released got them confused as well. But the Pennant of the Dead, friendly spirit models within three inches of the, the pennant gain resistance to magic, which is very, very handy because magic is one of the ways you can take this army apart pretty easily. So having resistance to magic is a nice bonus. You've got an options for a shield, which most of the time you take because for five points, you've got a very expensive model. Going to defense eight is a big buff. And then you've got your Blades of Dead, Terror, your special rules. Once again, you've got the Spectral Walk, my favorite. And the new one, the King's Council. So the, if the King of the Dead is within three inches of one or more Heralds of the Dead at the start of any phase, the King of the Dead can spend one of their will points to declare a heroic action instead of spending one of their own might points. Uh, the Heralds of the Dead also benefit the Kings of the Dead, the Dead and Living special rule. So the Dead and Living special rule is... That's just the one that allows them to use the heroic actions. Yep. So well, the, only they can use his heroic sure, actions. Sure, sure. So that's not, that's not the important part. Yeah. The important part is that if he wants to call a strike... He doesn't have to waste his one point of might. He can use a will from a herald. Or if he wants to call a heroic combat, a will from a herald. Or if he wants to call a march, a will from a herald. Now, the, the heralds obviously can't do any heroic actions so because they don't have any might. So he's going to be doing all the work. So the heralds tend to end up fighting alongside the King of the Dead as a little mini bodyguard, which sets up as a, like a, a little bulldozer-type formation where you have your heroes tightly packed together and they just do all the combat work and the heralds stand right next to the King of the Dead. Yeah, that's exactly how it works in my experience. And it's pretty scary. Like, uh, the the King of the Dead with those, you know, if you've got one herald, four potential heroic strikes, that can take out anything with the, the Blades of the Dead and the uh, Drained Soul. And if you've got two heralds there, well, good luck getting through all of that. The best way I've seen to get rid of it is to just try and sap will them. Yes. Uh, but the, obviously the downside of that is they're also resistant to magic. So yeah, that, it's a pretty handy little combo in there. And I think it's a really cool use of heroic stats. Mm. I think they haven't in the past been too imaginative with these sort of things. But I think this is quite a good one. Although I share your disappointment that they've, caught, they've uh, given them penance. Like, why not just give them a trumpet or something? I don't know. But I guess then they'd be a hornblower, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the heralds, like, it makes it, like, thematically they play really well. I just think the confusion between pennant and banner is, is it's just a little too similar. So um, I don't actually mind it at all, especially now that we've got models for it. It was more confusing when we didn't have models. So mine, my models could yeah, be banner bearers. Yeah. They could be heralds because they're conversions. Um, if I do get a pack of heralds, they'll probably become banner bearers. Yep, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. You just um, declare which ones are which, and yeah, obviously now that we have the two different models for it, it's pretty clear which ones they are, right? It's not like you have to remember many models in this army. So if your opponent points to it and says, That's these two are heralds, this one is a banner bearer, if you can't remember that, feel free to keep asking them throughout the game, because it's not that many models to remember. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
So Herald's really cool addition kind of made the <laughs> army bonus unnecessary, but I'm pretty happy with them uh, as they are. Oh no, well, the Harbinger of Evil is still fantastic, and it, the eight warbands, you can still take them, because I feel like sometimes people overload with Heralds, but we'll talk about that in the strategies as well. Sure, yeah. So we move on to the Warriors. There's only two of this, so I'll take the first one. Matt, the Warrior of the Dead is the, the go-to model. Um, luckily now, they're, they're in plastic, and they come in the starter box set, so most people have them around. If you want to get hold of them, it should be pretty easy. They are a 14-point infantry model, which is very expensive. They're a spirit again, which is usually a plus, but sometimes a downside with some magic spells. Uh, they're a warrior. They've only got fight three. This is their big downside. So fight three, most armies have access to fight four. So oftentimes you're going against it with your fight value. You've got strength three, which we talked about. It's actually really good because they, they're going against courage. You've got defensive seven as a base, and you can add a shield on as well to go up to defense eight, which is fantastic. And you almost always get the shield because the defense eight is so good. And the ability to shield means you get that extra attack because you've only got the one attack. You've only got the one wound. You've got a very nice courage of six, so you don't have to worry them about them running away very often at all. You get a sword or an axe, which is irrelevant because they can't use the special strikes. They have some very good options. You've got the banner option, shield option I talked about before, and spear. So the, the old um, spear-shield combination is also very attractive because they're a 14-point model. Adding two points to them is not huge. Blades of the Dead Terror, like all the army. Spectral Walk, like all the army. They are very reliable. They don't tend to win many combats if they don't have banners around or they don't have spears around because they need to get the, the win for the fights. But when they lose fights, they tend not to die. And when they do win fights, they tend to kill pretty well. So they are good, reliable troops, and they, they do their job. Yep, for sure. Um, the shield is always a good investment. I think you take it nearly every single time. Defense 8 is just incredible. And I think a lot of the time you want a large portion of the army to have spears too. You want to be able to cover certainly all of the heroes that you have in your list, whether it's just your King of the Dead and the Heralds, or Herald, Heralds, or uh, any other allied heroes in. You want to obviously be able to spear support them. Yeah, a really solid troop. Uh, I always thought years ago that the fight three was very very underwhelming i think it really hurt them nowadays i don't think it matters as much i i think that was before they were defense eight though like when they were only only uh defense seven it kind of felt like yeah they were high defense but event they just lose every fight and they just go down eventually uh now it doesn't really feel that way i don't know maybe you can just get more in the list maybe it's just that the king and and allies can chop through stuff faster and it doesn't matter but the fight three doesn't doesn't matter as much as I feel like it used to. No, I think because you've got the, the Harbinger of Evil built in, so your strength is effectively better. You've got the better defense. So before, pretty much every infantry model was killing you on a six. Now, most of the normal infantry models are killing you on a six by four. That becomes a lot more difficult. And you've got, you've got more options with your support as well, with the, the heralds and things. So it's not as bad as it was before. It used to be the Army of the Dead had to do all the work and they, they had trouble doing that, now they almost have to just sit there and win the occasional combat, and most of the time just hold up spaces and let the rest of your army do the work. Okay, so on to the last profile. We've got the Riders of the Dead. Now, these are essentially just your warriors that automatically have a shield with Defense 8 on a Spectral Steed. So this is a horse that is a spirit model and has a defense of 6, mm. which is really cool. Yes. Used to be just a regular old horse, I think, back in the there day. There was a time when it wasn't even cavalry, um, yes. 
Yeah, that's right. It was an infantry model, which was so strange. Yeah, but uh, yes, now they do, of course, get the knockdown, etc. Uh, and they can lose their steed. Uh, and this is really just the speed in your army. And they're quite expensive at 24 points, so you're probably not going to take too many of them. But it's just a handy way to grab objectives, to flank your opponent, uh, yeah, that sort of thing. They also are your best like way of getting teaming up with the King of the Dead to kill heroes, because if you can get a knockdown with the King of the Dead's attacks, you're potentially going four attacks with models on the ground, and once you've got your Blades of the Dead uh, and the King of the Dead special rule where he takes them down in one go, then the, the Drained Soul, you're in a lot of trouble. So these guys are, are really good hitters, and they're actually really important for the army. Yep, definitely, definitely. I think you're always going to take a few of them. If you if you if you can yes the big disadvantage of these guys is that they don't come in the the box set they're not plastic they're relatively hard to find or expensive if you want to get them so most people only have a few of them I've seen some really good conversions where people have grabbed the Riders of the Dead from the the Palinor Fields box set and turned them into Riders of the Dead I've also seen some really nice ones with Morgul Knights as well so feel free to get creative with them as long as they're in the same color scheme as your dead and look somewhat similar then it shouldn't be an issue I feel like head swaps with Morgul Knights would uh probably look pretty good, right? Yeah, I saw one like that where they basically chopped the top half of the, the Warrior of the Dead and put it on uh, the Morgul Knight, and it looked really good. And then they, they swapped the bodies around the other way as well, so they had really good-looking um, the Morgul Warriors. What are they called again? Um, the uh, Black Numenorians? Yeah, they had really nice-looking Black Numenorians, yeah. which, which was good as well because cool. you'd often... Uh, I, people know what I think about the Black Numenorians. It looked better to me. Okay, nice, nice. So yeah, I think that's all for the Dead of Dunharrow. Uh, on to our next segment. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Now we're going to talk about some of the very secret and not obvious at all tactics with the, the Dead of Dunharrow, Matt. This army is going to be smaller than pretty much any army you face unless it's an all-hero army. It's actually not too worried about all-hero armies because of the King of the Dead's ability to, to take down heroes. So most of the time, you're going to be worried a little bit by infantry and cavalry armies that vastly outnumber you. So this army, more than a lot of the others, you really have to think about where you're fighting because this is an army that is, might actually just run out of time getting to an objective. You've got to get to an objective using perhaps some of the marches you've got, get there and then sit there and just grind out the army using clever placement of the models. Yeah, I think it's one of those uh, armies where very early in the game, if you're playing an objective-based scenario, you actually have to like pick a model and say, right, you're going to be here at the end of the game. And that's the plan for you, right? And you can sort of dummy and faint and do all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you got to start moving it like very early because there's not a lot of option to um, to, to get ahead with the uh, Dead of Dunharrow. Yeah, you're right. They, ha they don't take up a huge amount of space, do they? They really, for the most part, would like to just be fighting in a small corridor. Yes, yes, they definitely do. They they love terrain. So any sort of terrain doesn't matter to them. They love fighting in terrain. Water, absolutely love water because they can use it to stay away from other people's charges and be opportunistic. Their cavalry love going for a swim. 
But also things like impassable walls and that are great because they are very hard to move if you can get them in a small frontage, you know, a little bottleneck. And that's where they, they the enemy can get really frustrated trying to take them on because they're really hard to move. And a small model can cover quite a bit of space. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, like, for the most part, they're going to be outnumbered. Because, yes, sir, I'd agree with that totally uh, at a smaller points level, definitely. But once you go a bit higher, if you really spam the warriors, you can actually get a really solid numbered list. If you don't tech anything in, if you just go, I'm just taking warriors of the dead out the wazoo... You know, you're going to get a lot of models. Oh, very in. true, very true. And then, then you become an army. It almost plays a bit like the old dwarf armies where you're trying to, to to keep your frontage going and trying to get some traps if you possibly can on the, the flanks. Because once the army of the dead start getting trapped with multiple attacks, they really start destroying the flank. And vice versa, though, if their flanks get attacked by heroes, that's where they start to lose and die because concentrated effort on the flanks of the army of the dead do cause them problems. So you've got to make that choice early on. Are you going for a... a an attempted spam list, which is probably just an average size army, or one with the elite heroes, and you've got some really good options with heroes, because we talked about the ones from the list, but you can also go for a legendary legion or an ally, usually based on Aragorn, and have some real hitting power, and the key part about Aragorn is that he means that, that you might essentially unlimited for the game, so you can do so many things of heroic moves and combats and marches, but you've only got a small amount of models. You've got to definitely make the tactical choices before you start. Yeah, and, you know, on top of all that, Aragorn gives you that banner effect. So having that small bubble, it can be a fairly large bubble, really, because I think it's a six-inch banner, which is incredible. Um, having that banner effect on all of the Warriors of the Dead, and you just sort of mow stuff down at that point. That comes in with the Return of the King Legendary Legion, that banner effect. So we might just talk about that because mm -hmm. it's usually the Aragorn the King has it. The Aragorn Strider doesn't often have that one. But the Return of the King uh, Legendary Legion, which is also a very popular one, it's a good way of playing the dead. You basically get the addition in your list of Aragorn the Strider version. So you can give him a cloak. You've got Legolas with armor or cloak as options. And you've got Gimli with a cloak as an option. So you can go for some cloaks. Oftentimes you don't bother because you don't really care about shooting, but it can be a good option. But in this army, you get uh, Anduil for free. So Aragorn becomes very, very good. He also counts as a banner for the Spirit Warriors, which is really, really good. And the King of the Dead gets his special rule for Harbinger of Evil. So this is a very, very powerful army. Uh, Legolas and Gimli can lead Warriors of the Dead, but you don't get those warbands where you've got only Warriors of the Dead and Riders of the Dead. And in this setup, you often forego the Heralds because Aragorn's doing all the heroics. So the King of the Dead often doesn't bring the Heralds because you've got expensive Aragorn and potentially Legolas and Gimli as well. A lot of the time I do actually see a Herald along with it anyway. Um, oh, do you? Just to really give the King some extra punch. Yeah, because... Uh, while Aragorn can take stuff down, like, if there's too many threats at once, it can really break through the list because it just kills all the warriors. True. Like, to, you know, it's got to obviously be quite a strong threat. But uh, if the king has a herald with him, then you've got two things that can take out almost anything in the game. Uh, so, yeah, I have found that a lot of people were... And it also just gives you that um, resistant to magic on all the spirits which is pretty handy especially on the king of the dead it's almost impossible to break through him with magic if you if he has resistance. that is true as well yeah yeah and but i think that the challenges here it's often at the points level people play at events and things it's often a choice between legless gimli or the heralds because people often can't afford all of them so 
I, I guess you could. I guess you could go Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, King of the Dead, and a Herald. But then you're looking at a very small army, so you need to be it is yeah pretty good with it. No, absolutely. At that point, it's extremely elite, and it, it essentially comes... Uh, you know what? I, I have seen people use it to great effect still, though. Um, True. Especially if they're able to keep moving with Aragorn and just sort of push away from any threats in the opponent's army and just sort of combat around. Uh, the King of the Dead, of course, can use the Heralds to combat as well, so both he and Aragorn can have quite a lot of uh, movement. And yeah, it, it can be really tough to actually... Uh, take out because it, it just keeps moving too quickly for you yeah it's a really fast army so you've got the the riders of the dead which are fast but you've also got accesses to marches as long as you want so your first couple moves are often just multiple marches and usually to the sides to try and draw the enemy out of range then you go really hard at one of their heroes so you try and take down one hero with your king of the dead and aragorn and whoever else is around and you can usually do that pretty effectively so you go in you take out a hero and then you disengage and then try to do rinse and repeat somewhere else it's a very powerful army you've got to be careful with this army because it's so elite that you don't break the opponent too quickly because if you do that you're often off the objectives or you haven't got the right what you want to do so you've really got to focus on the mission if i've got to hear kill a hero go kill the hero first and then worry about killing troops if you want to go to a specific spot take out the few threats that are going to stop you so the few heroes then get to the spot and take out the rest of the warriors and you've got to play pretty fast as well because you want a many turn game yeah definitely and, and because you have a few few models you can get you can do that you know you can really up the tempo with them i find people sometimes get into the trap of using legless too much like legless in this list i'm not even sure i would recommend bringing legless um, how do you feel about Legolas in this in this Legendary Legion? I quite like him from a thematic point of view. I can see from a gameplay mm -hmm. point of view, he's actually there as a combat model. So he's there to, to win combats. He's got some really nice fight value, so he can guarantee wins against a lot of models. He's somewhat fragile, so you want to be opportunistic with him, but he's also got a fair amount of might as well. So what I tend to do with Legolas is hang around with the Riders of the Dead, and the Riders of the Dead get the knockdown. Legolas comes in and helps them win the fight. And they take things out if they're hanging back. Because you know how I play riders. I often keep them hanging back and being opportunistic. Legless doesn't mind hanging back a little bit and taking some shots. So I tend to use him for his expert shot to take down something important. Usually a, a horse from a leader. And basically then I hang around with the riders as a second wave. So he comes in and he waits and he's opportunistic. And then I can set up some heroics and um, go capture objectives with him. If there's ever a back objective I want to capture, he's pretty good at that. Uh, but you're right, he is a big investment in points, so you want to get be opportunistic with him, you want to get your value out of him, so I think you have to treat him as a combat model that can shoot a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and j just be careful not to let him get stuck out in no man's land, that's the uh, major mistake I've seen people make with him, he just ends up doing very little for the amount of points that you pay for him. Yeah, he's, he's a combat model, but he's not one that can just break through lines, he's got to be fighting basically one model on the flanks with some friends, so he takes an army of the dead yeah, model and a yeah. rider of the dead, and... Make sure you've got the knockdown. Make sure you've got the, the dice to win the combats. And you take it out. Because of his high fight value, he can take down heroes as long as you have the, the dead to back you up. So he can be really good. Yeah. It allows you to split your force a little bit, which is very handy because uh, oftentimes the, the downside of an elite army like this is you're only fighting on one front. So Legolas can split off with some, some of the, the dead models and fight on his own, especially if he, say, takes the banner of Aragorn, sits there with his banner effect, you can split off somewhere else. But, like, honestly, Gimli and Legolas are totally optional in this list. You've got to take Aragorn. You've got to take the King of the Dead. 
up to you which other heroes you use. Yep, for sure. I think you could get away with a very good list just taking um, the King, Aragorn, and a couple of Heralds, maybe. Yeah. But um, very cool having Legolas and Gimli in there. And their new um, special rule uh, that where they feed off of each other, whoever's uh, lower on kills gets a buff is pretty awesome as well. So um, yes. they're still pretty nice models to have in the list, yeah. Gimli especially can just can just act like another Aragorn in a lot of cases where he just sits in the front and just chops through stuff. I honestly use Gimli to just stand right next to the King of the Dead because those two can take out anything in the game. So Aragorn could be fighting other things and then can go, how about Legolas if he needs to? But it gives you these two really focused hero fighting platforms. So Gimli and the King of the Dead, who move about the same speed, walking up to pretty much anything, can take them out and they can lose a combat and be not too worried. Whereas Aragorn is a little mm-hmm. bit more fragile yeah. in some ways. So him being opportunistic, calling heroic combats around the flanks and just killing troops is not a bad way of playing. Yep, absolutely. So should we move on to playing against the army of the dead map? Yeah, so it's kind of tough, actually. I found that um, from my perspective, uh, I've played quite a lot of games against them now in the new rules. As I said earlier, I think they come up a lot at tournaments at the moment, which I've, I've got no doubt is to do with them being in the starter set. I think it was very, very smart of Games Workshop, actually, with what they had in that set, um, because... It, it made it a very popular army, and it got them to sell a number of things that perhaps they wouldn't have otherwise. I think uh, it made the three hunters in particular very useful in a particular list. But uh, yeah, okay, enough about marketing. Having played against them quite a bit, I'd say the main thing to remember is to play those objectives. Don't let them go and sit somewhere where they can just be there and they don't have to worry too much about moving around. Because it's a smaller army list, you want to have them potentially needing to spread out. Uh, if you can force them to spread through bow fire, through spells, through just controlling other objectives, anything like that that forces them to potentially split up. If they do split up, they're sitting ducks a lot of the time. Uh, at least that's that's what I've found in the games that I've played against them. Every time they've split, I've managed to get a pretty easy win. Absolutely. This is an army where splitting them up and going all out on traps really does help out because the heroes are very powerful and hard to kill, but the warriors will go down once you get three or four attacks onto them in the trap. So you've got to find the way to do that. Now, if you've got some shooting, don't be afraid to just sit there and not engage and shoot everything at the King of the Dead, for example, because he's just as hard to wound as everything else in the army. It's going to take you a lot of shots to do anything. But if you do get a wound on him, in almost every scenario, you're going up on victory points. So then you force your opponent, the the dead army, to, to maybe overextend themselves, to maybe run at you. And at that point, you play almost an avoidance army where you let them run at you and then you jump around the sides and hopefully cut them off because they shouldn't be able to take up a huge amount of the board. It's, it's an army that you want to be a bit patient when you're playing with because if you just run at them, you're probably going to die in waves. So you need to draw them out. You need to attack them. You need to keep your expensive models away from the King of the Dead, if possible, because he will take out pretty much anything. And the same goes with Aragorn or any other big heroes in that army list. But the biggest tactic I have here is do what you can to bait and take down the riders as soon as possible. Because these guys just win the games for them. They, they'll, they'll provide the extra hitting power. They'll go capture objectives. They'll be annoying. They'll, they'll stop you from, from being opportunistic and moving around. Take them out. So 
doing magic missiles at them if you can, if they're out of range of a herald. Any, any way you can do that, fireballs or black darts, is great. Shooting them is great because you might take out the horse, and that's essentially as good as killing them. Jump into them in combat. If you ever get priority, just charge these guys and throw as many attacks as you can. Throw your heroes against them, spend some might to get the kills. But these are big, expensive models that if you take out early on, there's probably only going to be four or five in the army. If you take them out early on, it really does limit the dead's mobility and the dead threat yeah definitely i i think they're really the linchpin of the list aren't they like they they need to do something like they have so much versatility so getting rid of those guys will certainly go a long way to defeating the list one thing that i've found is if you can manage to blunt their front wall uh that may just be like a, a three might striking hero that strikes up defensively uh, it might be something with heroic defense, uh, something like that. If you can get in front of their big heroes and have something that can blunt them, and then are able to, uh, yeah, trap, as you said, trap on the flanks, get around behind, and take out the, uh, the warriors of the dead piecemeal, that's a really good way of breaking down the list. Alternatively, bring Gilgalad uh, <laughs> and just charge straight yes, up. Yes, yes, he doesn't care about them. <laughs> no, I've found that works pretty well. <laughs> um, he He's one of the few, yeah, well, I've said too much about Gilgalad already, haven't I? We won't go too far down that rabbit hole. But yeah, there's a, a really big heroes uh, can do the job because they're able to just walk through the army of the dead. Oh, I'm trying to think of something else. Uh, the Gulivar could probably do it, although he's low courage, so you've got to be careful. Anything with high fights um, really good at them. So high fights, as long as they yeah. avoid the king and the and Aragorn potentially, you're doing pretty well. Uh, you've got to watch out for the terror. Against some armies, this is absolutely devastating. You just can't get into them, mm -hmm. and they'll take you down there. So for an evil army, this is one of the armies that... This is the reason why you take a shaman, because... If you can charge these models on mass, you will take them down. If you can't, they will start walking through you pretty quickly. So finding a way to get through terror. If you don't have any way to reliably get through terror, don't be afraid to use whatever missile fire you have to draw them in. So set up a nice defensive formation with lots of spear supports and a banner behind them and just keep shooting until they charge you because at that point you might get better attacks and, and better value. And then you can come in and trap by not engaging. So just say you've lost priority... They charge you for whatever reason, but they choose to charge you. Then start bringing models around the sides and get traps just by placing your models close by in the control zones that don't exist because they've charged you. So you don't have to take the terror tests. You just block them off. And when you win a combat, you've got a much better chance of getting a kill. Yeah, particularly if you have higher fight value, it doesn't matter so much if you've got extra attacks in there because just by moving them into place, you're doubling the number to wound, and you've probably already got a reasonable chance of winning as long as you have at least one model and a banner. So I totally agree. That's a, definitely a viable tactic against Army of the Dead. Yeah, I think basically hold your nerve. This is an army that is going to try and frustrate you. It's an army that, that you might take you three or four turns to even get the first kill. So you've really got to make sure that you've got your formation set up. You've got things ready to go. You're not getting annoyed when your heroes can't charge because they failed courage tests. You've got to make sure that you get in support range of each other and, and, and target priority and make sure you're following the mission the whole time. So if your aim is to kill the King of the Dead, you probably the best way to do that is to go and kill the dead around him and then trap him as much as you can. So that's a really tough ask. But if it's any movement-based scenario, you either want to get on the objective first and hold them off from getting on it and then just let them run out of time, essentially, or run out of models. Or if they're on the objective first, try to bait them off it. So use that 
just the shooting, but then don't shoot at their warriors. Just shoot at their heroes. So if you get a kill, which you might, then it, it really does stuff them up quite a bit. So if you take out the King of the Dead, the army is a lot less less potent. So you, you go that, you shoot there, so you're not trying to break them either. So that increases the time you're playing the game as well. Because you don't want to just kill them off while they're on the objective. You want to go and kill their powerful models, and then in one big rush, take the rest of them out. Yeah, I've made that mistake before. I ended up just killing too many warriors because they were, it was just so much easier to target them. And then the game ends, and you've got too many uh, of the big heroes still left alive. You haven't got any points for, for leader kill, and, and they're on the objective, yeah. So you'd have to be careful. Absolutely. But they are... I find them really fun to play with and against. I don't mind them at all. There's there's armies that are really frustrating. And it's, it's funny. I find Kiden really frustrating because he's got the terror bubble. But the Army of the Dead, I don't mind it because I feel like it's it's much more integral to their play style. They don't have that massive high fight value. So when you do get into combat, it's not an auto-lose. You, you've got a good chance of winning a combat and having a go at killing them, even though you don't very often. I find having high defense is more fun to play against than high fight because... You, you still get to, to go, you still get to make some progress, you still get to choose, I'm going to spend some might to get a kill, whereas if you're going against high fight, you often end up just, you can't control anything, you, especially if they're terror causing, you can't go in, you can't win the combats, you've got nothing to do, so they're an army that I wouldn't worry too much about playing with or against in terms of uh, losing all your friends, but I feel like, especially for beginners, they're going to be a really hard army to beat. And if you play solid tactics, they're going to be a really strong army to play with. Yeah, totally agree. Like, it's interesting you bring that up. Like, um, I think that's the toughest thing in the game is when you actually just don't win fights. So your opponent's rolling, like, twice as many dice as you are because they actually get to have a go at you. Whereas you're just not getting a chance, you know? So that's why uh, I think shades are reviled, uh, why a lot of people dislike playing against elves, and also against playing uh, high attack armies sometimes, like, say, uh, Hunter Orcs or uh, something along those lines, where, y you know, if you don't lose fights, you're probably not going to lose the game. Yes. Uh, and your opponent's probably not going to have much fun if they're just rolling dice and losing every time. Yeah, where the army did, like, even just killing one feels like a huge achievement, and you feel like you're really in the game, and, and if you ever get that turn where you kill two or three, it, you're over the moon about it, and it does happen sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I And yeah, you're right. Because there's so few of them, especially in the Legendary Legion, I've found every time you kill one, yeah, it's a big success and, and you do feel like you're making progress towards defeating the army. And eventually, once you kill enough, they just don't have enough models and enough attacks. So they, they do fall apart when they stop guarding the area, when they get lots of attacks on them, when they start getting four or five models into them. So I, I think they're a good, fun way to play. And if you're a beginner and you really like the look of the army, I say go for it. Because in terms of investment in an army and in terms of painting, the models are pretty cheap overall. You've got plastic heroes that look amazing. The only thing that's really difficult is the Riders of the Dead. And once again, you can convert them out of Riders of Rohan or anything else that you want to. And, and you've got a functional army that, that looks nice, plays nice, is quick to put together and... and shows off most of the tactics of the game. It doesn't really do much shooting. Legless is really the only exception there, but everything else, it does pretty well. Yeah, speaking of the models, I'm just looking at the three Hunters models in the uh, Gondor at War book, and gosh, they're nice. Yes. They're, I think they're the best ones they've done. I, I would definitely agree, especially the Aragorn and the Gimli. I think those ones are phenomenal. The Legless, I think, yeah. is really good. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to how well you can paint things like the face, because it's a big, big focal point of the model. So it can... That's a big face. Yeah, yeah it can be... If you, if you can get the face right, 
I think it's going to look amazing. If you can't, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But once again, they're just so good. Those models look great. The the new King of the Dead just looks amazing. The the plastic it's stunning. The, the yeah. plastics actually are really good. I really like these plastic models. The old metals I like as well, but the plastics are great. This is one of the few plastic armies that I would probably take the plastics over the metal if I just had a choice and was going into it because they are really really nice. Yeah, it's funny. Like I don't know what it is about that Gimli, but I just love it. Like they, this doesn't feel like there's anything particularly special about it, but I think it just looks beautiful. Yeah, no, they, they really are, and they, they paint up well. How rare is it to see someone with a really terribly painted uh, Dead of Dunharrow army? Yeah, I know. Like, you can't make them look bad, can you? Not really. <laughs> it's nearly impossible. No, and, and even with a little bit of extra care, you can make them look amazing, but you see people yeah, say, true, oh, true. I spent an evening painting this army, and they've got a really good-looking army, and they painted the whole lot in one go. They've just sprayed it all one colour, uh, washed it down with something, got the contrast paints maybe, and then possibly picked out a couple details if they want to. Often they don't, but you can do all kinds of things. I've seen some that look amazing where they've gone for more, uh, like almost zombie tones. So they've gone for, for browns and mm-hmm. that with like a green glow, and that looks really amazing. And I've seen people use all kinds of colors, purples and greens and blues and all kinds of things on them. I think I saw someone do like glow in the dark to match their dice. Oh, like. yeah, yeah. You can, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of really cool options with what you can do with them. And as you say, just really simple to do. I mean, they're meant to be sort of all one color-ish. And I think they're really good models to test with. Yes. So again, like, just really cool that um, that G-Dub managed to put them into a starter set. You, you wouldn't have thought they'd be a perfect mo- uh, army for a starter set, but here we are. Coming into some armies that are coming out as well, I actually think if, you, if you're into conversions, they make a good basis for um, Warriors of Dunland as well. So if you want to get the plastics and Ooh. you want to add to your Dunland army, if you just get, like, re-sculpt a face in them and then heal up just some of the rips and things, uh, maybe change the shields to be more round shields or something like that, you can actually add to your Dunland army as well. So they're good for generic men. Yeah, now we're thinking ahead. <laughs> oh, yes, we are. Oh, I just can't help it. I'm so excited yeah. about Dunland. <laughs> All right. Um, shall we move on to our next segment? We shall. Scenario Spotlight. Scenario Spotlight, the dead arrive. The arrival of Aragorn brings the dead of Dunharrow to the Battle of Palinor Fields, heralding the turning of the tide of the battle. A sea of ghostly green warriors spills from the docks of Harland and onto the barren and dusty fields outside the walls of Minas Tirith. Their task is simple, to deliver the city and her inhabitants from the orcs assailing her walls. We have Scenario Spotlight, we've got Lots of Army of the Dead scenarios at the moment available. Well, not lots, but four or five. But we have chosen the Dead Arrived from the Gondor at War supplement. This is one where we have a 4x4 board with not much on it because it's the Pelennor Fields, and it's the movie Pelennor Fields, which were not really fields, just open space. We have, on the good side, the King of the Dead, two Heralds of the Dead, 20 Warriors of the Dead, um, and four, 14 of these have shield, six have spear. So that's almost their generic box layout that they want you to do. Uh, if you're playing a points match game, you're probably putting shields on those spearmen, but in the scenarios, you're not. For evil, we have two warm Mumikil of Harrod, each with 12 Harajan warriors, six bow and six spear. Once again, if you're doing points matches, you're putting all bowmen in there, but it's a scenario, so why not? 
and then 24 Moran and Orcs, 6 Shield, 6 Spear, 6 with Spear and Shield, and 6 of no additional war gear. Once again, going for the scenario layout of a bit of everything. So, uh, yeah, pretty simple layout for this one, isn't it? It's very barren ground. Obviously, it's the Pelennor. Uh, starting positions, Evil's going to deploy within 24 inches of one side, good within 12 of the other. Yes. Uh, yeah, pretty simple. 12 of the south for the good side, 24 of the north for the evil side. Uh, very simple for the dead, isn't it, in this one? Slay anything that poses a threat, take them out. Mm -hmm. Game lasts until the end of a turn in which one force has been reduced to 25% of its starting numbers, at which point the other force is the winner. So, yeah, very simple objectives. Uh, and if both get to 25 in the same turn, uh, it is a draw. Yes. Uh, the special rule of the scenario is that the King of the Dead... Yeah, just a single special rule in here. March of the Dead. The King of the Dead may call a heroic combat each turn without expending might to do so. Bit of a misnomer. Mm -hmm. The March of the Dead is actually heroic combating rather than heroic march. Yeah, that's, that's a funny one. Uh, <laughs> the deployment zones are interesting in this, where the evil has a choice to deploy anywhere on their side of the board. So they've got up to 24 inches deployment. Now, they have no real incentive to go at the good side if you're playing it from a purely strategic point of view, because they have some shooting, the good side doesn't. So it's one of those scenarios where if you wanted to play to the best of the evil's ability, you'd set them up pretty far back and shoot off. The, what I initially thought was that the Mumik had to keep moving now because they're war beasts, but you can actually just put one of your own models in front of it and that will stop it. So a single Moran and Orc will stop the war Mumiks from, from running forward unless they're stampeding. So you can hold them back and shoot for a few turns. And unfortunately in this scenario, that seems to be the way to get the win. Like it's still long shots with your 12 bowmen to get some kills, but if you could somehow take out the King of the Dead or the Heralds, you've got a good chance of this one. Otherwise... That March of the Dead special rule where a heroic combat each turn is ridiculous because the King of the Dead can easily take down a Mumak in one turn. Easily. Easily, easily, easily. The Army of the Dead are not worried about Moran and Orcs at all. And we had the game that Kyle and I played where the, heroic, the, the King was able to do a heroic combat off one Mumak onto the other because I managed to just get them in the range of six inches, which was a bit of an unfortunate move. And it took out both of them in one turn, which... I guess it seems strange that the really the way to win as the evil side is avoid the army, is to keep the Mumics as far apart as possible, let the army of the dead come at you, and then hope for one big charge. You should have, uh, if you split the Mumics up, the might on at least one side, but even then, you, you're going for a, a pretty long shot in this one. It seems to be almost to show off the army of the dead type scenario. Yeah, it is a, a bit of a tough one for evil, isn't it? Like, And uh, but yeah, as you say, a very strange way that you need to play Mumikill, not probably the way that you would normally want to be using them. But um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, King of the Dead aside, you could potentially uh, target all of the warriors and just try and take them down. Like, you've only got to kill, what, uh, 13 models, is it? You, Maybe I'm counting wrong. You've got to bring them down. No, it's a bit more than it's that. It's a bit more than that. You've got to bring them down to 25%, and they start with 23 models. So you have to reduce them to five models uh, total, so it's going to be 18 kills, which doesn't sound terrible, but the Moranidorks almost never charge the Army of the Dead because of the, the terror, and you've got Courage uh, courage 2 around because it doesn't have a Harbinger of Evil, so that's at least something you've got going for you, but it's hard to get the charge there, so the, the Army of the Dead should try to avoid the Moranans unless they can get numbers onto them, and the Mumaks are so much model, so if you take out the two Mumakil, 
that's already 50% of the models gone straight away because people rarely survive a fall from a Mumak. So it, it becomes quite tough for it. I think you have to essentially pin the the good models in place with your Moran and Orcs, just, just bait them, and then essentially run over your own guys and the army the dead with the Mumaks and hope that you can get a big charge off and kill a big number of models, 12 models in a single turn, and then hope you can even out some combats. The only way I can think of doing it ideally with the good side is trying to get like perfect positioning and get two charges off on the king in one turn, two stampedes. Uh, and even then, like, I don't know, because they don't have tusk weapons or anything like that, do they? So No, they don't. You've got your three strength nine hits against a defense eight hero with two wounds and three fate points. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah correct. So you look at four pluses to wound. Possible, but like for it's very unlikely for just one Mumak. If you get the two Mumaks in, you're okay. I think the best chance for you is to go all the archers at the King of the Dead early on and try and take a couple wounds off or a couple points of fade off. So then when you get your one stampede, which you might get one off, then you can try and take him out in a stampede. But the problem is that the Heralds as well are a really good way of stopping the Mumak, and they're the same fight value, so they can quite easily take one on as well. So... And, and once you hit Stampede, if your Mumak ever Stampedes and it Stampedes into another Mumak, it's pretty much dead as well. So you've got to keep your Mumak separate, but then the good side will just bundle up. So uh, I, I'm really not sure about this, and I don't know why the King of the Dead needs the free heroic combats, especially with two Heralds around, because you're looking at the amount of, of potential heroics that he has is huge. The, the good side only has the four points of might. The King of the Dead has one point. The Heralds give him potentially another six points, and then he's got free heroic combats as well. Yeah, the, the will points from the Heralds are almost redundant because what you'd be using them for is heroic combats. I, I guess you're just going to call heroic moves with them because you don't need a strike against anything in this uh, scenario. Heroic moves, so, maybe even yeah, a march. Yeah. If, if you're worried about shooting, which you shouldn't be, but if you are worried about shooting, you mm. could march twice and still be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And really, there's there's not really any reason to necessarily put the king at the front, which is what you probably do in a points match scenario. Um, because, you know, obviously he's probably going to be able to take one charge pretty easily. But you can put him a couple back and, and not be too worried, as long as you're sort of making a bit of an arrowhead formation so that he's not one of the first to get uh, smacked. But a, a warrior of the dead can stop a Mumak. Like, it's not unheard of, especially on the shield. Yes. Yeah, no, it's not unheard of. Uh, it, it can be can be challenging, but the distances are such that you could probably set it up that they're only going to hit a few and then you can get the counter charge next turn. And if it becomes a roll-off and the evil loses a roll-off, it becomes difficult. You can also use the Moran and Orcs to screen yourself. So even if they do get the charge off, if they kill a bunch of Orcs or even stomp on an Orc and stop moving, that's a win for the good side as well. I don't think it's impossible to win as the evil side, but I think a lot has to go right and especially those roll-offs for heroic moves. And sometimes that's not the best scenario if it's just relying on the heroic move roll-off. Um, I think that I think that this one probably could be balanced a little bit differently. I would have liked actually more prescribed deployment because it seems weird that you've got so much choice as the evil player. I feel like it would be more interesting if, say, the Moran and Orcs were set up on the center line and the Mumak was set up as far back as possible and or something like that to make it interesting and give you a reason to maneuver. So maybe the Moran and Orcs would run backwards and the Mumaks would be running forwards just to create a bit of interest. Yeah, definitely. It's It's a very simplistic deployment, isn't it? It's... Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, so I feel like this scenario needs some work. I don't think it's terrible in that I think the participants are really interesting. I think the special rules probably need some tweaking. I don't think the the King of the Dead needs heroic combats. Just the idea of killing two Mumak in a single turn, I think is just way too much. You want the Mumaks to be scary, and they're not if you can just take them down instantly and just bait them with three or four models and then then pull off the heroic combat. Because that's the problem, is that sometimes they get too close because the Stampede just keeps taking you forward. So you can't choose to... Yeah, remind me, remind me, what is the courage of the Mumak, by the way? So the courage is four. So you do have a chance, but the King of the Dead strength four. So he's four pluses. The Heralds are four pluses. The Warriors of the Dead are five pluses. But because the Mumak has such a big base and the Army of the Dead have such good courage, you should be able to get a few into it as well and, and throw the dice around. And with the King of the Dead's fight value of five compared to the Mumak's fight value of four, you're pretty well going to lose the combat. So there's not much that you can do once the Mumak's in combat. It's all about before combat. And because the King of the Dead has just so much heroic move potential, and let's face it, the Army of the Dead is going to stay within six inches of the King of the Dead. There's no real reason for them to run off on their own. You're always going to be challenging the heroic moves. Yep, certainly, yeah. Yep, very tough one for evil. If they were going for what actually happened in the film, they I think they nailed it. <laughs> I think it would be kind of cool if you did something like um, had the Mumex as being like recyclable. And had something about like okay. how, how many yeah. Mumaks you could kill before you ran out of Army of the Dead or something like that could be really interesting. Because then if it was just mm. a kill count thing for the King of the Dead where it's how many Mumaks can you take out, that could suddenly make it a bit more challenging where there might be might be a, a Mumak entry point and he basically just ambushes them and starts taking them out. I'm not sure how that would actually work. I think you might have to make the board a bit skinnier or something like that to make it work. But I think that mm-hmm. could be interesting as well because... As it is, it's really not much of a threat. And the the Moranans just not being able to pass the terror test very often does make it tough. Occasionally they go in, but even when they go in, they're still wounding on sixes most of the time. Well, all the time. So unless they pierce, some of them pierce, that's, that helps. But uh, it, it's it's a really tough one. Um, I get what they're going for. It's it's that really memorable scene in the movies where the army of the dead will climb up the Mumak and kill it and take it down really easily. But I feel like... I feel like from a scenario gameplay point of view, I would like it to be a little bit more tense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it missed the mark a little bit. I, I did want to discuss a game that uh, Kylie and I had uh, quite a long time ago, actually, when they first introduced the idea of army bonuses and they had the little PDF that they uploaded with a, with a few ideas going around. Uh in that one, we decided to play Corsairs versus Army of the Dead just to test it out, just to see what it would be like. And it was really, really interesting. The Army of the Dead obviously don't have much control on their side. Um, we played a, a pure game. There were no Heralds of the Dead, so it was just the King and, and Warriors. And maybe a couple of Riders, I can't recall. And it ended up being uh, the Corsairs with their backstabbers were able to get quite a few kills. But the Army of the Dead have just so much sustain. They don't care if they get broken, and they're able just to keep going. And the Harbinger of Evil, we found, was so powerful. Um, we ended up having a really funny game. We had uh, we were playing on a Jeremy's Pelagear board, I think it was. I think Kylie was repairing it at the time. Mm. Um, which, so we probably shouldn't have played a game on it, but we did anyway. <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun game. Um, I think the kid of the King of the Dead at one point uh, fell off a bridge or something, got pushed off a bridge, fell into the water, but didn't care because he's got the spirit walk. Mm. I, uh, I can't recall actually if they had that then, but. I think they yes, did. Yes, yes, yeah. it's part of the program. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, uh, 
really cool army to use. I'd recommend playing it on Jeremy's Pelagear board with the deep water because it just makes it really funny with a lot of the stuff that they can do. Uh, obviously, that's not an option for everyone. Make some uh, water boards, guys. Some some boards with some deep water and a lot of funny water features. Yeah, no, that that is fun with the water features. And that makes a lot of sense, though, because in the books, basically, they were used to take the ships. So they they took on the Corsairs and they, they went and attacked the boats and uh, the... And did, did their job there. They didn't even go far to, to the Palinor fields. So that that's um that's an interesting one actually because I find that Corsairs. I think Corsairs are a really powerful army. But you're right. The the big Achilles' heels is that they don't really like taking courage tests because if they're stuck without being able to charge or move or get into position, they can be taken apart pretty quickly. They need to rely on everyone doing what they want to do. So the army of the dead do mess with them quite a bit. But the backstabbers rule is a really nice counter as well in that. The wounding is it becomes much easier, and the Corsairs have amazing fight value, so they should be able to beat the Army of the Dead in fights a lot of the time. Yep, absolutely. And and the throwing weapons, you would think maybe not being able to charge as often, they'd become less useful, but in fact, they, they were very, very useful. Like, you can just keep backing away, you just piff your uh, axes and you're throwing knives at the Army of the Dead, and you do whittle them down. Wow. So, yeah, it was a really interesting matchup. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good and nice and thematic as well. And the Pelagi board makes sense as well, where they're attacking on the docks and things. So, yeah, no, well done for playing a thematic points match. You guys sometimes don't do that, so I'm impressed that you did that. Uh, we 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 do that every now and then. You yeah. do. You we do. like to get one out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to trying the other Army of Dead scenarios. There's a few others. There's one where the docks of Harland, where Aragorn and friends bring the Army of the Dead and take on the Moran and Orcs. Once again, I think that would be pretty nasty but there's one from uh the lord of the rings book where there's corsairs on three boats and the army of the dead have to go and ambush each ship as the ships move across that one i definitely want to play i can't wait to get my ships done and play that one because i feel like that one could potentially be really entertaining really cool you've got three ships in the works don't you i do i do and i'm waiting for for the end of year holidays to really do some terrain and building because the, the warm weather means that if i paint anything or i put it together it's dry um, within seconds in, in the Australian heat. So that's really helpful. So I'm hoping to do some terrain-making days, get some everyone over and bribe them with, with food and drink and uh, get some scenarios ready to go. Fantastic. I'm taking an extra uh, week and a half in January just to go up to Ardor Unleashed as well. So I'll definitely have some free time. Oh, I'll definitely take it up on that. I can't wait to play some of this stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's the scenario spotlight we're going to play some more army of the dead scenarios as we go but i'm sure we'll talk about them in the corsair episodes and possibly the the mortar episode potentially with the docks of harland mustering an up All right, mustering an army. Let's get some lists going. This is this is always my favorite segment, Jeremy. Have I ever told you that? I always love a good muster. You, you tell me that most days. <laughs> yeah. I just like seeing the lists that you guys come up with. Mine are always trash, but that's fine. We're, we're, we're going to see what uh, all our listeners think of my lists and then why Jeremy's lists are better. So <laughs> let's go straight into uh, 500 points of pure army of the dead. And I've come up with something very, very simple 
but with two alternate versions of it. So I've got the King of the Dead with six Warriors of the Dead with Shield, seven Warriors of the Dead with Shield and Spear, one Warrior of the Dead with all the kit, Banner, Shield, and Spear, and one mm-hmm. Rider of the Dead. And then a second Warband, making use of the army bonus. I have no Warband leader in this. One of the Warriors is the leader. Uh, I have three Warriors of the Dead with Shield, four Warriors of the Dead with Shield and Spear, and one Rider of the Dead. So, that's a solid, what, eight, 23, 24 models at 500 points, which I think is not too shabby for an elite army. Uh, I try and think yeah. of like, I think 30 odd is probably about standard, right? At 500. For 500, yeah, probably tw- 25 to 30 would be about right for most armies. 25 is heading towards elite. So what did you say you had? 24? Uh, 24, 24, yeah. 24. With two two so, riders, the king, and a bunch of warriors. So you're actually not worried about being un- outnumbered too much. Like, yes, horde armies like goblins will outnumber you, but then they potentially might have trouble charging you if they don't have a shaman. If they do, you're going to have to find a way to get rid of it. I don't mind this list. Um, my first th- thought is that, yes, you've got the banner, which you absolutely need. You've got the king of the dead, which is not even a choice. You've got a lot of spear shield models. Now, I would be careful that I don't think you really ideally want to play this in two ranks the whole time, but you definitely have the option to do that. If you want to castle up, you can definitely go into two ranks. I would be basically using some of the spearmen on the flanks as little just two model or three model formations just to make sure that you can support each other. Two Riders of the Dead, though, I'm a little bit worried about that. I would probably edge towards three or four if possible, Mm, which means your numbers go down a bit. Because you get basically every three Warriors of the Dead is two Riders of the Dead. So I would be considering dropping three Warriors of the Dead for two Riders of the Dead if I was going to adjust this list. Because I feel like you don't really have a whole lot of special stuff at the moment. I think the Riders of the Dead, especially at low points level, can be pretty much everything for you. They can be your hitters, they can be your objective captures, they can be your, your scout forces, they can be your rear guard, they can be whatever you like. And... For, they're actually not that badly priced at 24 points compared to 16 for most of your Warriors or 17 points, I think. Yeah, for sure. So you could drop... Yeah, is it uh, 16 for Spear Shield, I think? So you could drop three Spear Shields. So. That brings you down to about one Spear to one Shield. Uh, sorry, one Spear Shield to one Shield Warrior and grab those two extra Riders. And yeah, that... Definitely gives you a little bit more maneuverability, a little bit more hitting power. So that's definitely another option in the list. Yeah, I feel like for dropping one model in total, I think it's a probably good trade-off. For sure, yeah. Uh, alternately, alternatively, uh, what you mm-hmm. can do with this list is actually take a half warband with the King of the Dead and take two leaderless warbands. Now, there are pros and cons to this. Uh, pro in a number of scenarios where you're simply setting up on the halfway line regardless, you get an extra warband drop, so you can see a little bit more of what your opponent's going to do beforehand. Uh, much the reasoning behind single felwags in whatever edition that was, where everyone was taking single felwags. <laughs> yes. The downside to that is in a scenario such as hold ground, where your force is split up. Not ideal for this army at all. Yeah, even Reconnoiter, where you're coming on in, in waves, mm. I think that this that can be a real disadvantage because the, the, the problem is you've got a total of one point of mind in the army and you really don't want to use that for just getting on the board. Sometimes you might have to, but you don't want to do that. So splitting up, um, yes, it gives you the advantage of seeing where another person is, 
But I would probably lean against that. My main reasoning is that at this level, people don't tend to split up a whole lot. And if they do, you don't really care because you're more than happy to take on with your whole army a small amount of their army and then reposition. So I feel like last thing you want is to be split up in like a maelstrom of battle because if that, that eight warriors of the dead and a rider of the dead, that can be taken out with a concentrated force in, in a maelstrom of battle. Whereas if you've got that warband with the king of the dead and 15 warriors of the dead, that's almost enough to go and, and take on a lot of forces. So that secondary warband then becomes not as not as critical and one that if the enemy tries to go after that one smaller warband, the bigger one is still fully operational. So I, I like your think, thought process here. I would check which scenarios. If there was no maelstrom of battle, probably go for the second one. But yeah, if yeah. there was, I, I would probably go for the first. Yep, for sure. And yeah, that's just something to think about, you know, depending on the tournament that you're going to. Yeah, not bad, not bad. I don't mind these lists. Um, I give them my, my feedback for the improvement, but I could I could use these lists. I think they're they're fine. They're pretty straightforward. You've got a little bit more spears than I tend to take, but at this point, you're almost locked down to what points you have available because your other option is if you drop some spears, you end up dropping pretty much all your spears. So Yeah, I, I was really looking at either. it when you said that. I'm like, yeah, to get just one more warrior in, you drop almost all of your spears. So... It, yeah, no, uh, not worth it. Yeah, no, you just want to keep them all in. Yeah, that, that's the reasoning behind having as many spears as I did. I do agree that a couple more riders would be very useful, though. Yeah, no, I, I, that's that's my thought on that one. You may be able to be clever and drop a huge amount of spears and two warriors to get two riders. Oh, I think that... No, no, it's the other way around. You you want to drop... To get one rider, drop a warrior and a bunch of spears could work as well, but I don't think that's worth it either. I think having a bunch of yeah, spears well, is not a bad that's thing. That's still, what, eight spears? That's quite a quite a chunk of your spear model. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, 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 it's almost all of them. Yeah. And because you don't have the secondary heroes... You actually need the spears to get the concentrated attacks when you need them. So I, I like this version. Um, I like the version of the swapped out, uh, swap out three warriors for two riders. Both of them, I think, will work at 500. I like that every model has a shield that can because I feel like there's a huge jump for to from seven to eight is a massive jump. But also, even if you didn't do that, the jump to being able to shield in an elite army that causes terror is huge because the the opponent is going to want to gang up on a single model. So if you can double their attacks when they do get ganged up on it and even hold off for a couple turns sometimes, that really, really does help. Yeah, it's massive. I think sometimes people look at an army and they put all the shields on and then they fight a, a strength value that, or a, a list with a, a strength value across the board that it doesn't really help with and they go, oh, I wasted my points. But no, you're right. The, the, the ability to shield is massive. Especially army-wide. And in those times when you get hit by a cavalry charge and you just want to to shield on some and spear support with the others, it it does does make a huge difference. So I I like that list, Matt. You say you make a rubbish list, but this time you didn't. Luckily, there weren't too many options anyway, so I couldn't really go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's a secret, isn't it? Not many options means it's much easier. Yeah, it is. It's true. (laughs) On to yours, Jeremy. What have you got for us? I have got my big army of the dead one so i've got a pure army of the dead uh dead of dunharrow at a thousand points so this is pretty much the upper limit of of games that that people tend to play locally i know that we've done some bigger scenarios at times for fun but it gives you a real taste of what the list can have like you you pretty much get whatever you like at a thousand points so that's can be fun to play I've ended up with 44 models, which I think is a really good number at 1,000 points. So I'm not too worried about being outnumbered. I find that the pure Army of the Dead tends to be able to, to hold its own in numbers. It's got 
my first warband is like yours, a big one with the King of the Dead, a Warrior of the Dead with everything, so banner, spear, shield, five Warriors of the Dead with shield, three with spear and shield. So I've only got a few with spear and shield, which tends to be a bit, a bit like my ratio. I tend to go maybe um, one in three as a spear shield model. And then I have three Riders of the Dead in that warband. I like to keep a good number of Riders of the Dead with the King of the Dead in case that's the one warband I have to protect. I've still got my Riders because my Riders are so important. My second warband has a Herald with Shield. The Shield is a decent option with a Herald. It's one that if you're really tight on points, you might consider dropping because it's one of the few things you can drop to get some points. But I tend to default for a Shield wherever I can because these guys become pretty much the ultimate tanks in the game. If you can shield against a big hero with a Herald of the Dead, you can hold up a model for a long time while feeding Will and Might to the King of the Dead. So you become this really nice off-tank model, which is quite handy. I've gone for a second banner. I feel like the dead needs a banner for every major front you want to fight. So this one, I assume this herald is going to go go fighting as well. So it's got a warrior of the dead. Banner's got everything again. We've got five warriors of the dead with shield. Three warriors of the dead with spear and shield. Once again, the three backups. And three rise of the dead. So very similar. 12 models in this one. 12 models in the first one. Same setup. Identical warbands. Different leaders. These are both my two main combat fighty warbands, which means they're usually going to be my last drops. Although sometimes the first one, if I'm just, re- it's really obvious where I'm going to go. I have two additional warbands. The first one has a Herald of the Dead as well with shield. So I've got the two Heralds of the Dead, mainly because the plastic box set gives you two, and I feel like at 1,000 points you want to show off your two models because they're really nice. I've gone for four Warriors of the Dead with shield, three with spear and shield, and two Riders of the Dead. So it's just a cut-down version with no banner, of the other ones, nine models, can hold its own. The idea is this one gets placed pretty close to the King of the Dead because it benefits from his banner. The Herald, This Herald can start feeding the will for the marches and things, and it helps out. It becomes a backup to make that a really big warband. And then I've got my final little flank drop. This is my no-leader warband with six Warriors of the Dead with shield and two with spear and shield. This is a distraction warband, which I think you can afford to have at 1,000. Their idea is to try and bait some of the enemy to chase after them, and then they just run away. So they run away, float away. If they can jump in water, they do that. They guard areas. They go capture objectives. I didn't put any riders in this one. The riders can go join them if they need to, but I feel like this one, I don't mind just putting it wherever and just just tanking up, taking a charge, being a distraction. Eight models at 1,000 points is really not a huge amount, uh, and they can just go and be, be annoying. So I think I've got a pretty solid list. A total is eight riders, so that, that works reasonably well. I've got a total of 11 spearmen, but I've got 20 warriors with shield. So that's my, my ratio there. I know that I don't really count the riders in the ratio. I just try and get lots of riders in. A couple banners, and then the three heroes. So I've got pretty much everything I want. Yeah, you, look, you've covered all the bases there. Two heralds is very nice for the king. Gives him all the might that he wants, really. Uh, couldn't really go to a third one because you just wouldn't have a, a, any kind of a warband with it, which is not what you want. And besides, it's got to be near the king anyway. Like, two within range is, is as much as you're really going to need. I still have concerns about the number of spears. I feel like all you have to do is drop one model and you pretty much have spears everywhere. And I just, I don't really see the downside of that. Like, hmm. One model, 20... Spearmen, sorry, 20 shieldmen you said, you drop one of those and nearly all of them have spears and it just gives you, from my opinion, a lot more versatility within that list. Uh, I I worry that if you were coming up against something like elves that were able to just 
obviously direct where the combat's going to occur. Uh, they can lead you somewhere that is a choke point. They get more attacks. They have stronger heroes. They have stuff that can just whittle you down. Yeah, I, I'd get as many spears as I could into the list if it were me. Oh, that's fair enough. That's uh, probably a difference in our list design and playstyle. I don't yeah. mind it because I my my main strategy here is to play essentially like the dwarf heavy infantry tactic, where your aim is to encourage yourself to get keep moving in combat. So get surround as much as you can, get everyone base to base because you don't actually care that much if they're in base to base. They've all got good shields, and then try and wrap around as much as possible because a lot of times you're not moving. In the move phase, you don't have a lot to do. So spreading out pretty thin is pretty important. Last thing you want is the enemy to be able to wrap around you. That's that's a nightmare for this army. It means that you're going to start getting... They're going to get traps. Once they get traps, your defense will start disappearing pretty quickly. They'll get rid of you. So I tend to use that. I tend to find it's enough. It's also similar to my um, my army of Thrall Grimhammer ratio as well, where I'm basically playing a really heavy skirmish line. So it tends to be a game style that I play, but I can I 100% can see your thought process there. One model is one model, and if you've got if you've got enough models of spear and shield, then go for it. Um, I guess the secret is I'm a little bit biased because I don't have that many with spear and shield. I don't have like ah, uh, it comes out. I knew I knew there was an ulterior <laughs> reason. <laughs> um, there yeah. always is. There always is. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I I played that dwarf line recently with very minimal spears, only like three or four. And I did find that I ended up uh, getting forced into corners, even though my shooting was pretty good. I had a lot of bow fire. Uh, I was still getting forced into corners by like Kierdan lists and Gandalf lists and that sort of thing. And they'd anchor themselves against a very big terrain feature. And it'd take my dwarves like eight turns to get around it. So they're just... Uh, it really yeah. hurt not having any spears in that list, and I just feel like it could potentially end up being a similar situation here. Yeah, I'm just going to do some really quick calculations on this to see what it looks like with your mass spear army. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll have a quick look at that, see how we go. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I've gone gone over by a bit. That's all right. Oh, the, the numbers are really weird, aren't they? Um, so I can drop yeah. even more. I can... Was it not simply a case of drop one warrior with shield and just add 15 spears? What is that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's a lot of them, isn't it? Yeah. That's way more than I'm used to playing with. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of the old glaive tactic. <laughs> Nothing but <Yeah>. glaives. <laughs> all, all glaives, yeah. Ooh, nasty. Okay, so mm. basically what I'm getting is... Yeah, I've worked it out. So I've got 43 models. I've got a total of four spearmen. And then I've got the... What's that? 26 spear shield models. So... Honestly, in terms of a, a, a flexible p tournament army take all comers, it's probably a slightly better option. I don't know that the I don't think the other one's that underpowered, but I do think you're right. The the warbands where you can just throw down with your distraction warband eight with spear shield and just put them in a clump yeah. is very useful. So if they get charged from any angle, you can support each other. You've got no weaknesses there. So look, I will on the small level, when points matter, I think it probably makes a little bit more of a difference. At 1,000 points, you're right. You can just take whatever you want. So the spear shield model is the best value, so you could just spam that entirely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any real... Like, it's not that you can't take less spears. Like, if you play it well, it won't make a difference to you, probably. But it's a lot more forgiving, I think, just to take as many spears as possible. I think that's it. I think it, you're right. It's, it's more forgiving... As long as you still play sound tactics, it's not going to be a real disadvantage. But 
the only thing is if you get into like that real pike block shield wall mindset where everything's close together at all times, you tend to move slower and you tend to to get trapped out of position. So as long as you avoid that trap, uh, I do think yeah, you're right. It's a it's a better option. Mm, yeah. And for the cost of one model for sixteen spears, yeah, yeah, that, that's really nice. And because the models are. Uh, accessible enough as well it's probably something that we can do so maybe when i do my next round of painting of the dead i might do that paint another 12 spearmen or something like that and start annoying all my opponents <laughs> i think i did see um tim who is currently making a an army of the dead list uh converting with quite a number of spears so possibly he is taking my advice on that one <laughs> yeah yep, fair enough yep. Uh, okay. okay, shall we move on to the next list? Let's go. So let's do some 750 sort of more tournament standard level games. Yeah, so 750 is the next uh, tournament that we'll both be attending up in Brisbane at Arter Unleashed. So if anyone gets any ideas from uh, these lists, let me know. Uh, we've got, <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh, for my 750 points, just another pure list here, no allies. Uh, and this one is a little bit maybe controversial because I've really taken my own advice here. <laughs> We've got the King of the Dead, two warriors with shield, eight with shield and spear, one with shield, banner and spear. We've got one herald, two warriors with shield, eight warriors of the dead with shield and spear, and another warband exactly the same but with one less shieldman. So herald, warrior with shield, eight with shield and spear so yeah you know you can see my bias right there i i love a lot of shield spear models mm, i don't know i liked your other list more this one where are the riders you need at 750 yeah. i would say you need at least three riders probably double that i would go four five six riders at this point i look as we discussed the spear shield that's your preference that's mm -hmm, fine i've got mm -hmm. no problem with that i would consider at this level possibly possibly Dropping a herald, which is what seventy-five points for three riders, uh, yep. four riders maybe. Uh, Eighty points so with the shield, I, so yeah, easily three yeah. riders, and then maybe even some more spears. You know, yeah, you throw. No, you could take eight. <laughs> you could take eight spears off and get one more warrior in there as well. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I would either drop the numbers down to get some riders, or if you really, really want the numbers. Um, I think you can probably be okay with one Herald. You have to play pretty conservatively with your Might then, but you've got the one Resistant to Magic set up. You've, got, you've still got your Banner. You've got the one Banner. So this is, once again, an army that's probably geared up to fight on one front anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like the rest of it, you're holding ground or you're just doing like the Bubble of Death where you just walk around all together as close as possible and just trying to roll through armies. So I think this one, bit of tweaking. You've got to get some riders in there. At 750 points at tournament level, people have got ways to deal with lots and lots of different things. Your rider is your way to deal with those domination movement scenarios. And also, the King of the Dead loves it when someone knocks down his hero for him. So just having the rider that you can throw in to help support is really useful. Yeah, for sure. I think, because this was the first one that I wrote, so I was still sort of thinking like, hmm, what am I trying to do here? And the the appeal was having uh, essentially a seven might point King of the Dead, but that is a lot to focus into a single model, like an absolute ton to focus. And I've still only got one banner, I think. Was it just one banner? Yeah, only yeah. one banner in the list, whereas I think at 750 with Army of the Dead Pure, you'd probably want two. So I reckon I would, I would look at two. Yeah, yeah. So I reckon uh, you're probably right. Drop one herald, uh, grab another banner, maybe drop a few warriors, grab some more, grab grab some cavalry. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that would probably get you a lot closer to a very competitive 750 point dead of Dunharrow. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. The Dead of Dunharrow are, are once again that grindy army, so you want to take every advantage you possibly can with them. And the banners are definitely really good because they're hard to, to remove. They, they really do help out one attack, fight three models a lot. Um, and then even with the spear support, they're still very, very useful. And the riders, they're just, it's a thing of beauty when they charge, say, two models and then win the fight and then take them both out instantly, whereas the dead are just sort of grinding for a long time, even though they can do the wounds pretty easily. It doesn't always happen. So I really, I, re- I look, I am a massive fan of the Riders of the Dead and they're actually really nice models. There's only two of them, but I would include them in every single list, probably at least three at any points level. Just get them in there. The more you have, I don't really see a downside. The more is better. Mm, yep. Obviously expensive models, but definitely worth the cost. Oh, now that they've got the knockdown, yes. They, yeah. they were okay when they didn't because the movement was useful. But now that they've got useful, they're just they're just so versatile. And the, the nice thing about them is that they can pretty much resist most bow fires. So you don't mind just having them sitting around and, and waiting for the opportune time to charge. My favorite thing to do is just sit them in a puddle of water and, and no one can get to them. And then they can dart out and hit pretty much anywhere you want to. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's too much more to say about that one that we haven't already covered. That It's a pretty simple list at, at 750 pure, you know, there's not, again, there's not a huge amount of options, obviously, there's only four uh, different profiles, so let's get right on to your one, Jeremy, what have you got for us? With Just some before allies? we do that, Matt, how many, how many models did you end oh, up with I, in that army? I did before. manage to get two, uh, what was it, 33. Oh, that's, yeah. that's actually a really large amount. 33 at 750 is, is very decent, but I think, you know, you could drop down to 30 and, and, uh, get rid of one of those heralds and, yeah, make it a, a bit of a better list. Yeah, no, look, I, I'm very happy to play at 30 models at 750 points, mm. but my army is going to be a bit less than that. So I'm. I, this is an army that I've I've sort of toyed with for a long, long time, the way it's designed. it's It's gone through different iterations. I'm going for an allied force with the dead at 750 to create some interest and, and go for it, but I'm not going for the typical ally that you well it's probably the, the second most common ally that you'd expect so my first warband let's go the dead of dunharrow i've got the king tank warband which is the king of the dead uh the full kit spear shield banner guy uh five warriors of the dead with shield three warriors of the dead with spear shield so my ratio and then four riders of the dead so i've got the four riders of the dead in here 13 models plus the king 14 models there and then i've got an allied contingent which is not particularly huge it brings me up to a total of 21 models I've got Aragorn, the Strider version with Anduil and Horse and Bow. So I'm taking the advantage of being uh, not the legendary legion to take the horse. So my thought is that he goes around with his horse with four Rise of the Dead horsemen, and they're actually, they hit really hard. Aragorn keeps them marching, keeps them moving, and we play this really elite army. Then it's backed up in his warband. I've gone for four Range of the North with Spear. They're all on foot because as part of this, this army list, they get two attacks when they're on foot. So I've got two attacks, range of the north. I've given them all spear because they have the fight four, I think it is. They can go and back up the army of the dead if they need to, or they can come out on their own around the side and use their two attacks. So I've got that flexibility. So I've bought the spears for those guys rather than the army of the dead in that I feel like they they sometimes need to hide behind the army of the dead. Then I've got two separate warbands. Uh, one's got a Dunedain with spear. One's got a Dunedain without spear. And these are basically just warband drops that are going to work on their own. I feel like the Dunedain working on their own is nice and thematic. And their job is to just go capture objectives, to harass with their bows, to, to bait the enemy away and then run away. 
and then maybe join the fight a bit later on, but basically be a distraction for, for pretty low costs. So 21 models, not a huge amount. Um, amazing heroes, Aragorn and the King of the Dead together, really, really useful. But then I've got a bunch of might as well. So this is one of those armies that can play some of Kylie's mass heroic combat start type tactics where if you get it set up, you can call heroic combats with a lot of people. Uh, you can keep that keep that moving and and have some fun with it. I don't think it's probably as as reliable overall as the last list we had, the 751, but I think the, the actual damage potential is probably a bit higher in this one. Yeah, it's interesting. You've taken uh, something that is normally a bit of a weakness for the Army of the Dead, which is the movement and the amount of might, and you've totally nullified that with just Aragorn and, and all of those ranges and just being able to call heroic moves everywhere, and marches for that matter. I Actually, do the rangers have march? or You'd just be using Aragorn anyway, wouldn't you, for the most part? So oh, Aragorn would definitely call the march. Yeah, yeah, but heroic moves with all of those guys, yeah. So uh, that's, that's cool. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, the rangers can take horses the Dunedain can't, is that right? That's correct, but I don't actually like the pricing of the new rangers with horse because okay. they they end up they end up going to forty points with the horse because oh, it's a ten wow. point horse yeah. on a 30, 30 point model, and you lose the two attacks on foot. So considering you've got Aragorn's marching in this army, I would actually just prefer the Riders of the Dead to be my cavalry. So the the rangers will basically go back up the this small infantry line with the uh, with the King of the Dead, and then if Aragorn needs to, he can go off with. The, the riders of the dead and do some do some some fast moving tactics and attacks but it's mostly just to keep them together army and the the, the um the riders of the dead would just come in and charge to try and get the knockdown while the rangers do some attacks as well and for your for your uh question the rangers of the north and the dunedain have heroic accuracy which you probably would never use in this army yeah certainly not with them you'd use it with aragorn if anything but yeah um yeah aragorn does that yeah it, interesting that because that was going to be my criticism. I was going to say, well, I, I'd probably still put them on the horse anyway. I didn't realize that uh, they'd taken quite such a hit in points because that's significantly more than what they used to be. I think it would have been 31 points on horse in the past. And you say now yes. they're 40. So, yeah, that's a that's a fair whack. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 40. You can't use the spear on horse anymore. Yeah, so yeah. that you lose, basically you don't take that one. But 40 points when what am I getting for it? I'm I pretty much get it out of the the the, the cavalry of the dead, and I don't mind these guys being on foot because they can hide behind the dead and become part of that shield wall if possible. They they actually work pretty well on their their own as as infantry models. So I've got Aragorn on horse; he can do all the horse work. But sometimes there is an advantage to having a smaller footprint with base sizes. So I've I've stuck with that for this army. Yeah, fair enough. Having gotten uh, curb stomped in a game recently by Aragorn, I really rate him these days. He's, he can do so much. So I don't worry too much about the model count. 21 is very low, though, at 750, but I think you can make it work, especially with Aragorn. Yeah, my big worry is magic resistance because I don't have the heralds. So I, I have a lot of will. So uh, the rangers all have will. Aragorn has will. The King of the Dead has will. So uh, the area effect spells, I'm going to rely on probably the King of the Dead to resist it. But if someone wants to really hit me with magic, it can take me apart pretty well because neither of my heroes like to be taken on with a magic combined with like a monster or combined with a big hit or attack. So that's a little bit of a concern. Shooting, I'm not that worried because I've got the march. I can hide around terrain quite well. Army of the Dead don't care about shooting. The Dunedain can hide from it if they need to. So I'm not worried about that too much. I am worried about getting surrounded. So in those scenarios where 
uh, people are able to just wrap around me, that's a concern because if they get to the Dunedain, they will take them down. So I really need to maneuver so that I'm just taking on part of the enemy force at any one time and probably doing it quite quickly. I need to be doing kills really quickly and then maybe disengage and run away for a turn or two and then do some kills and then disengage and so on. Yeah, it's, a, it's our classic. Kylie would love this list. Just quietly. Kylie would love it. Absolutely classic. Maneuver around, out maneuver your opponent, play tempo, play positioning, do all of that business. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Lots got all of resources of that. in this one. Lots of resources. It, it does have a lot of resources, actually. Like, no joke. Yeah. Really cool list. Do we want to go on to your other one here? Because I see you have another 750 point list, and this one looks very intriguing. <laughs> yes, I went to something a bit different because I feel I set you the task of doing the, the more standard one with the um, the Legendary Legion next. So th we're, that's coming next. But this one, I've tried to go for something a bit unusual and get people thinking. So I've gone for a 750. I've got my first warband is the King of the Dead with uh, a banner bearer with spear shield, of course, of course. Five Warriors of the Dead with Shield, two with Spear Shield, and three Rise of the Dead. So my spears are going down a bit in this army. I could probably get some points somewhere around the way. This is one of the few armies where my next Warband has a Herald with Shield. I might actually consider dropping the Shield here. I've got five Warriors of the Dead with Shield with the Herald, two Warriors of the Dead with Spear Shield, and two Riders of the Dead. So my numbers of the Dead are not particularly great. I've only got 22 models of the Dead, um... The, the dead, dead of Dunharrow. But allied in, I have an impossible alliance of Guar here leading one great eagle. Now, I've gone full maths mode here. So impossible allies, the main disadvantages are you break tests are different for the two forces. Now, my two model force with the eagles means that they don't actually get to break unless they're both dead. So one model dead is not over 50%. So I can ignore that pretty much. So that's... I'm not too worried about that. My army of the dead is 22 models, so if you break that, I'm pretty much lost the game anyway. So I'm not too worried about that one. Even if you do break, I've got good courage across the board. The other disadvantage of the Impossible Alliance is that you can't use your heroics to benefit each other. But Guahi's heroics only benefit eagles anyway. So who cares? Yeah, and, and the King, and the of, the King, King of Dead. Only yeah, only dead. So it makes absolutely no yeah. difference to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really yeah, cool. But I actually I actually want these two to move separately. Because if I call a heroic with Guar here, I probably want to move the Eagles first and then the dead to go and, and intercept. Or vice versa, even better. The King of the Dead calling a heroic move to intercept and then the Eagles to, to let the other people fail their courage test, jump around, and then position those those hurls really well will help me out quite a lot. I feel there's good synergy uh, between the two in that you've got the high fight monsters that can do barging that can do hurling that can go just go kill models with the eagles and then you've got the dead which are really resilient and and can move through the water like the eagles flying over it you can actually get a decent amount of speed in this army if you've got the right terrain plus from a theme point of view i don't think it's possible because in the lord of the rings the armies that always save the day the the duces machina types armies are the eagles eagles are coming yeah we're gonna win not a problem or the Army of the Dead. Oh, we can't get these Corsairs off. Just bring the Army of the Dead and wipe them out. Can't get these Mumics. 
bring the army of the dead. So you've got this army list that's almost designed to just save the day. So they can come in in the, the tournament, especially if it's a team tournament, and this is your army list. It's just going to guarantee that you just save the day. It's going to come in. Uh, I'm going to play it in the team tournament, and then I'll just, just win all my games with it, save the team. We'll get a narrow win. Uh, the Middle Earth will be saved, and we'll all be happy. This is the double deus ex machina. This is the, the, the dead showing up <laughs> at Pelennor and the eagles showing up everywhere else. Absolutely perfect. Yes, I love yes, it. Sir. Uh, if I were to try and tweak the list a bit, uh, again, I would want more spears, just personal preference. Um, yep. And I kind of feel like with the two eagles, the the number of riders you've got there is not as necessary, so I'd probably drop one rider um, for those spears and and probably okay, one more warrior. Yeah, that's probably how I would go about it. Okay, no, so that's a pretty easy swap then. So you, you would drop a rider down to four riders, which, okay, yep. I, I don't mind that change actually. That will give you a 16-point warrior with a shield straight out. So it gives you eight points to play around to buy eight uh, spears, which would definitely help you out. So yep. I, I do like that change I would as well. Also, I don't mind it. It's... I would also even consider dropping a second rider for a second banner. Mm, ooh, interesting. Mm. Interesting. I, I Once again, I'm not against that. I probably wouldn't, but I don't mind that at all because then you're right. You can fight on two fronts. You you really want your banners to be near your eagles if possible. Exactly. And so, then that gives you the option uh, of yeah. potentially splitting the eagles up and, and having a banner follow each one. But uh, yeah, as you say, like the, the riders are still great. Like we're not, we can't uh, yeah. undersell those. So yeah, um, just options, just options depending on your play style and that sort of thing. Yeah. But for me, of course, I I just love some more spears. Yeah, no, I understand that. You can see my bias. I went for lots of riders, and my thought is that this is gonna the riders are gonna go keep up with the eagles. So the eagles need to go off on their own. It's the riders are gonna be hunting down with them, while your king of the dead and herald essentially just tank an area. Yep, hold so, that central objective, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While the others go go hunting, so I think it'll be an interesting army to play. This is a theory at the moment because I haven't tried it out, but I really wanted to try something that that the impossible alliance wouldn't be too much of a downside. And that would really uh, benefit the, the dead while also being slightly possible in the, the theme. The idea of some ghosts fighting with some eagles is not, is not that weird in Middle-earth. Like, I, I can see it happening possibly. You can probably justify a good story for it. Especially if, you, if you've got the idea that the King of the Dead just represents some spirits in, in any age. I think that's probably a possibility to go and justify that somewhere along the line. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that they're impossible allies because, I mean, they were around at the same time. They could have fought together. It certainly would have been possible. The Eagles could have shown up at Harland and, and wrecked some orcs. So, yeah. Ah, well, I guess it, it... It's because you've got no Aragorn in the force. So anything that doesn't have Aragorn becomes impossible uh, alliances. of course. Impossible allies. Yeah. So if you did have Aragorn, would it be... Uh, what's it called? What's the potential allies one? The yellow... Uh, it's with any force. It doesn't include Aragorn. So yeah, that, yeah. But um, any... if you did throw Aragorn in there, say you're playing at um, I don't know, nine hundred points for some reason, or a thousand actually, if you just threw Aragorn in, would they then be uh, what's the word for it? The yellow allies. Yeah, they'll be the yellow ones. Yeah. but I'm still not a hundred percent sure because. I, I, uh, does any force mean the your whole army? So if Aragorn yeah, in your I, whole army, I think then... that's what that refers to. Yeah, yeah, it probably I'd does. So. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and, and that makes sense. So the Misty Mountains being yellow, well, yeah, because otherwise, why put even yellow there if it's not possible to do that? Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, so I agree with you there. Yes, the bonuses there will 
actually not be huge at the moment because the basically the big difference will be your break test will be one break test instead of two. Mm-hmm. But your heroics still aren't going to work for each other. Um, you I think could the Eagles would get plus one strength. Is that right? Uh, no, that's only the green. Oh, okay, yeah. So you don't get the army bonus anyway. Yeah, so probably not much no. reason to to do that regardless. Mm. I think the yin numbers will be a bit bit on the low end as well if you end up with Aragorn at that point. So oh, definitely. I feel like, like I, I thought about two or three eagles to start with, or maybe, oh, sorry, four or five, uh, not four, three or four eagles to start with. And then I just, they take up so much points that I just had to get that, that attractive two model warband that is the counter to impossible alliances at the moment, which hopefully will change the next, next FAQ. But it's the obvious answer, isn't it? Where, oh, I have a force that can't break now. It actually makes it better. Yeah, it's funny that it, you know the only other way I think you could do it is dropping a herald, right? Dropping that herald. Yeah, yeah, but I I think I need it at this point because I don't like because the might doesn't help each other out, and I don't have a huge amount of warriors of the dead. I have to I have to get the moves at the right time because eagles can get bogged down as well if they they get intercepted. So sometimes I feel like the king of the dead might actually have to rescue an eagle by calling a heroic move and intercepting the models that were going to get the eagle. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, uh, one more list. The big one. Mm-hmm. Return of the King. So I'm taking the Legendary Legion here at 1,000 points. And we've got Aragorn, of course, because you have to take him. And he gets Anduril for free. We've got two Warriors of the Dead with Shield. Four Warriors of the Dead with Shield and Spear. We've got... Legolas with four Riders of the Dead, taking Jeremy's advice there, throwing a few Riders in. We've got Gimli, three Warriors of the Dead with Shield and three Warriors of the Dead with Shield and Spear. We've got the King of the Dead, because you have to, and why wouldn't you? Two Warriors of the Dead with Shield, four Warriors of the Dead with Shield and Spear. And we've got a Herald in there as well, which is potentially something we might talk about. Three Warriors of the Dead with Shield, three Warriors of the Dead with Shield and Spear. So in this list, I've gone much more towards less Spears than I maybe would normally take, but it's still at about that uh, 50% Spear range, which I... I usually consider my minimum. I really like to have half there potentially able to spear support. We've got all three of the hunters, the three hunters. Uh, in this list, we discussed it earlier in the tactics section, but Legolas is, as we said, really useful for potentially going and holding an objective, getting some shooting done, able to be a combat model with his fight six, and synergize as well with the Riders of the Dead, who can uh, who can use his fight six to leverage their great strength when charging into something. Uh, Gimli, Aragorn, and the King are going to be your snowplayer. They're going to walk through stuff. And the Herald of the Dead's there, of course, to provide that resistance to magic and to give the King of the Dead a little bit more punch and more sustain as well, which is what I found with the heroic strike-off if you're trying to take down something big. So the number of models in this list is only at... uh, 33 so it's quite small for a thousand points but not terrible i would say i think 33 is not awful and you know you've got the three hunters they're able to make up their points quite easily as we've seen kylie do in the past and jeremy not so much myself i should probably take them at some point and give them a go uh this may be the list that i do it with jeremy have you fought against this legendary legion before 
Uh, I've fought with a very similar one actually, but it wasn't okay. the legendary legion. It was the the less uh, points effective one because I basically made this one in an alliance army where I had the three hunters allying with the dead. Uh, so I haven't played against it or with it purely, but I, I'm pretty sure I know how it goes. I've seen it like being adjacent to me, so other sides of the table on tournaments and things just haven't matched up with it. I actually really like this list, Matt, but there would be a couple of things I would consider for changes. Firstly, I really like getting a banner in for both scenarios because there's a couple scenarios where a banner is really helpful to, to hold some points, but also because uh, spirit models count the Aragorn as a banner, but not Legolas, Gimli, or um, or Aragorn himself. So I sometimes like the banner just to go behind Aragorn, just to give that extra attack, or Gimli, especially if those two are together, that helps out a lot. So I would, I, I like the Herald. He's at temp, like, it's possible to drop him, but I do like what he adds. So I would consider going against my own advice, dropping one of the Riders of the Dead and turning it into a banner and putting it with Aragorn. Oh, controversial. Hypocritical, even. Wow. What a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, 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 just... I totally agree. I, I think we talked about this um, earlier off the podcast when I first came up with this sort of idea. And, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, you've got to have a banner in there. Like, there's, there's really no choice. Even though Aragorn does give you that benefit with his big banner for all the spirits, uh, just having that extra banner in there is pretty massive for those models that don't benefit from it. Yeah. If you consider Aragorn's going to have a spear behind him in almost every combat, going from four attacks to five attacks uh, is just so useful. It just makes him so much more reliable. And this is an army where you really want Aragorn and Gimli to be doing a lot of the kills with the King of the Dead helping out with anything with multi-wounds. So I, I, I think it becomes really useful. It also means that Aragorn could disappear on his own and say the banner could go help out with the, the Riders and Legolas or as a secondary line, you can split your banner effects up. You can also use the banner as bait to try and draw people away, which can be useful as well to get them out of position. So I feel like Considering how much the, the Army of the Dead cost, putting a banner in is not the biggest investment. We're basically losing, at this point, one model for the banner. We lose some spears somewhere along the line, but even then, I, I don't know that that's as valuable. This is the, the kind of army where the Army of the Dead are basically just shielding and holding ground, whereas the, the heroes are doing all the fights possible with spears behind them. So you don't really mind not having a shield wall, spear shield on everything. Uh, but yeah, I, look, I do like this army. It's a very popular one. Uh, at a thousand, you get pretty much everything. At at, at the seven fifty eight hundred level, people consider dropping one or two of those heroes. So you often see Legolas and Gimli dropped, or you see the Herald dropped, or or Legolas and a Herald dropped, and just having the the Aragorn Gimli King of the Dead combination. But at a thousand points, you get them all. So I really like it as a thousand point army. I think it's good fun to play with, and I think it's one that the, the, your biggest enemy is actually just time because it takes a long time to get things done with it. It's a many turn type army, so you've got to move fast, and you've got to encourage your opponent to move fast as well because if they go slow, then you often run out of time. Yep, tempo, tempo, tempo. Uh, how do you feel about that legless warband with just the four riders? Uh, I don't mind it. I would probably consider putting a couple warriors in there as well, in that. You're probably not engaging first turn, so having the riders, if they're not useful there, walking towards your uh, your other parts of the army is not going to be too bad. You're probably going to deploy it reasonably close to Aragorn anyway, so you're just on the fringes of the march. I would be concerned in a Maelstrom of Battle scenario, because that's the warband that if it's on its own, the enemy will take out and probably successfully do that, because it doesn't have a lot of staying power at the moment, because you can't shield on horse. 
So the Riders of the Dead can't shield, and Legolas can be taken down in with, when he's surrounded. So I would probably actually just mix up the warband composition a little bit. I'd probably consider putting one of the Riders with uh, the King of the Dead or Aragorn, and then putting a couple Warriors in with Legolas. But then the idea is that later on you just move them around anyway. So uh, it's probably not not crucial, but I would probably just put a shield guy or two there just to basically be able to fit another small base next to Legolas as a bodyguard. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and as you say, you do want to end up together at some point eventually anyway, but yeah, I think you're right. That would definitely help out in a Maelstrom of Battle scenario. I actually think that Legolas is probably the most expendable hero in this list in terms of dropping something. Uh, If you wanted that banner, if you wanted maybe even some more riders or something. I, I, Having seen the Legendary Legion play out, I feel like he's often not utilized very well, and I, I don't really think he's needed there. Maybe against certain things where mm. he could potentially mm. snipe something, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because he wasn't being used very well as a combat hero. It's possible. But yeah, I, I do feel he's a little bit expendable there. I find him really useful in that he can generate more heroic combats that are mm. very reliable if you've got him and some Army of the Dead in there because the Army of the Dead kill things easily if they win the combat and he can win the combats quite easily as well. So I really like him for the extra might and heroic combat potential. I like him because he does force your opponent to think about what they're doing because the the, the shots he has are enough to, to scare them. So if he's on the move, just taking a, taking a, a hit, whatever it is, a two-plus hit on banners or on cavalry horses or whatever it's forcing your opponent to to act which helps out with the tempo of the game and look, his fight value is really good it's good enough that that even the enemy um characters have to start worrying about him a little bit so i really do like him and i see why people don't because he is the most fragile thing in the army that's part of the reason i want to worry the dead bodyguard so they i'm not taking any shots from stray archery so i've got in the way if i have to so i've got a friend if to cause terror but I, I also really like the synergy rule between Gimli and Legolas. I find that that does help out more than you'd expect. So I I don't mind him along the way. Basically, you get some kills with him early on, you force your opponent to come to you, and then Gimli's all nice and powered up. So he finds it much easier to kill things. Yep, fair enough. Yep. Definitely the pros of taking Legolas along there. So, so from your perspective, you'd probably drop the Herald first over anything else? I would from a personal point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was in a very magic-heavy sort of, um, I hate the word meta, but area, if, if people tend to, to take a lot of magic, I might consider dropping Legolas. But honestly, if I'm dropping Legolas, I'm probably considering dropping Gimli as well. I probably, probably at that point, I'll go, right, I'm going to go Aragorn, the King of the Dead, as my main fighters, some Heralds to back them up and just go for the slightly cheaper options, get some more might to to the King of the Dead. That said, Gimli is actually really good value, so it might not make a huge difference either way. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps us up, Jeremy, for this episode. I think it does, yes. All right. Well, thanks for having me on for this one. I kind of feel like a guest these <laughs> days. <laughs> I haven't been on for quite a while, so it was good to have a chat about some Lord of the Rings stuff. And uh, the Dead of Dunharrow is definitely something I want to be using very soon in the future. It was something I had planned, but uh, haven't quite got around to painting them up yet. It's a kind of army that pretty much anyone can use at any stage in their their Lord of the Rings journey because it's it, it's really rewarding for experienced players. Some of the the wacky combinations and and hero heavy lists, but it's also very uh, good for beginners to teach them how the game works and 
and have a force that can hold their own and win some games just purely by attrition and, and solid basic tactics of just moving to the right spot at the right time. So I really like them. Plus, they, they are, there's nothing better in the game in terms of time painted to, to models that you get completed. Yeah, to quickly get up a big army. It, there's nothing else that even compares, really, is there, in terms of points value. So No, yeah. not, not in this flexibility. Mm, yeah. mm. All right, excellent. Well, thank you once again, Jeremy. And remember, everyone... Traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.